Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the latest installment of the Man Cave Huddle. I'm your host, Greg. We're up here in New York, the East Coast, up north. If you're from the South, up top, it is starting to get warm out here. I know some people might laugh, but when I start to sit there and say 70s, we touch your 80s, we might be hitting 90s soon. Oh, it feels so good. You know it's spring in New York when... The, the, the Yankees are playing, the Mets are playing, baseball teams start to separate themselves, the NBA Finals is on, and as a sports fan, you start to think to yourself, oh God, there's nothing to go, there's nothing to get me through the summer, and then you start finding outdoor activities to participate in. Now that we have spring football, that's cool, but if you're a married man, if you got a special lady in your life, it's going to be real hard to sit there and say, I need September through February, and now I need a couple months in spring too. That's going to be tough. But another thing that I just mentioned um, that we also enjoy in the spring out here is um, the NBA Finals. And that's where we shall begin with the Boston Celtics taking on the Golden State Warriors in Game 2 of the NBA Finals. Now, after Game 1, in which you had a great performance by so many people in um, on Boston, you know, when you talk about Boston in Game 1, you had, we, we need to begin with the others because it's the others who actually sparked the, 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 the win that transpired. You know, when you, what I mean when I say others, I'm talking about other players besides Jason Tatum, besides um, Jalen Brown that part contributed into the win. You had players like Marcus Smart scoring over 20 points. You had Al Horford scoring over 20 points. Derek White with a wonderful contribution. Now in Game Two of the NBA Finals, we had Derek White. He gave us 12. Marcus Smart with two. Al Horford, who had a career night, six from eight from three. He didn't even uh, attempt a three-point field goal. He had two points. Robert Williams, the third, he had two points. But, you know, he's up and down. His contribution is mainly alley-oop dunks or putbacks. Um, For me, usually, you know, when you're watching an NBA playoff series, and I say this every year, it is all about games one, three, five, and seven. To me, those are the games that determine or can paint the picture of what's going on in whatever particular series that we're talking about. Game one is usually the feel-out game. That's the game that is the easiest for the away team to win, and Boston did a good job of winning that game because both teams are feeling each other out. They're trying to say, hey, if I do this, you're going to do that. If I do that, you're going to do this. It's kind of like going on a date for the first time with a girl. You're opening up the door. You don't want to jump or speak while she's speaking because you're just trying to feel each other out and see what vibe, what rhythm you guys have. But then after date four or five, it's like, yo, what's up, girl? All right, I'm going to pick you up. Cool. What you getting? Because you know what I'm getting. All right, uh, Mr. Waiter, yeah, this is what we're going to have. You know what I'm saying? So what we're talking about, um, the NBA playoffs, that's what game one is. Game two is usually the clapback game because whoever lost game one is trying to win game two, especially if the away team wins game one. It makes it more incumbent on the home team. This It's not a must win, but it's a really, 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 really we got to get this game type of win. And the Warriors did that tonight. Now, 
for me in this game, what I saw transpired is, like I just mentioned, the others from Boston didn't show up, and you had an eruption by the Warriors in Game 3. I mean, I said in Game 3 in the third quarter. Um, first quarter, the Warriors won 31-30. It's one point. Quarter number two, the Warriors won 21-20. Another one-point victory. And then you had a 35-14 to point differential in the third quarter. And the Warriors consistently do this where they come out, they make their adjustments, and whatever they do, they come out like gangbusters. And they really come out in the first quarter and in the third quarter and really try to put the smack down on you. They really try to lullaby you to sleep and lay that mephow and try and knock you out. And that's what happened. They did. When it got to 12 points, you're thinking to yourself, the Celtics got down by 12 a couple times in game one and were able to come back. But the adjustments that were made didn't allow the opportunity for the Boston Celtics to come back. As I mentioned before, the others didn't really contribute. When you look at players off the bench, you had, like I said, Derek White gave you 12. Uh, Mr. Williams gave you six. Pritchard gave you four. A whole bunch of guys that you would think would that gave you more before. When you're playing on the road, it's just different and it's harder for those uh, role players to win. But then on the flip side, when you look at the Warriors, the guys like uh, Gary Payton II didn't play. Jordan Poole had a forgettable game in game one. Otto Porter, he gave you 12 points, but they were just points that were keeping them in the game. But then when it started to slip away, he wasn't really part of the offensive philosophy. And, um, you know, in this game, you had Jordan Poole making it a pool party with 17 points. And I thought that his play in the third quarter is what really separated the Warriors in this game, especially in the third quarter, as opposed to the first game. Because in the first game, did he this is his first time being in the, in the playoffs. This is, It was his first NBA Finals game. You're going to have a little bit of jitters. You're going to be a little nervous. You know, Curry came to play. Looney came to play. Thompson came to play. Green came to play. Wiggins had a good game win. But Jordan Poole, for me, from what I saw, he was the biggest difference maker. Gary Payton II, he's a defensive guy, but his threes were another potential difference maker. One thing that I am beginning to notice when you're watching the um, NBA now as a whole, not just, hey, you're watching the NBA and it's the playoffs and this is what it is. What I'm saying to you is is simply, um, you know, it feels as though now you got to have at all times two to three, maybe even four guys on the court that can knock down two to three three-point field goals a game. It doesn't need to be like, you know, in the first quarter or, you know, they need to hit. You need to have at least two to three, maybe four guys on the court that are capable of giving you two to three three-point made field goals in this game. Now, when you're looking at the... um the Warriors. You had Andrew Wiggins with two. You had Steph Curry with five. Jordan Poole with five, right? Granted, those are three guys, but then you also had Clay Thompson. He gave you one. Peyton and Otto Porter gave you one. But you see, those are three guys right there. But then when you look at Jordan Poole and you're looking at um, Steph Curry, they gave you 10 threes between the two of them. So they probably took a couple threes from other players. When you look at the Let's look at the Celtics. The Celtics, you had Jason Tatum with six, Jalen Brown with three, 
Derek White would too. See, you, that to me, I think, is where the NBA is trending, where it doesn't matter if you are a great offensive player, if you are a great three-point shooter, but you need to be a threat to where if you put it up, can you give us two to maybe three-point three three-point made field goals in the game because in the third quarter that eruption was, was was something serious but another thing that's something serious that we need to start paying attention to is Stephen Curry usually he's playing he's laughing no matter the situation even in the NBA finals this guy's always got a smile on his face shimmying after a big shot he to me I'm not saying he's tired but he's a little bit older and for the first time in a while they are using and need him to be the number one option at all times to get the offense going. Um, Clay Thompson tonight did not have a good night shooting wise. I mean, he was very productive. I don't say very productive, but he was four for 19 for 11 points. This is a guy who had a 60 point game in his career. This is a guy who scored 30 points in a quarter and for him to go four for 19 passing up shots that normally would be knocked down is alarming to me because what that does is now that puts a little bit more pressure on Steph Curry, who chipped in with 29 points tonight. But is he going to be able to provide that type of effort every night? Because let's keep it real. When they were winning titles, you had Durant, who was more than willing to take some of the scoring pressure off of Curry. And when Klay Thompson was in his prime and you had Andre Iguodala, who was still young. And at that time, he was he was giving up barbecue chicken plates by the buffet. Steph Curry wasn't needed to be the guy where every time down, we're looking at you to get this bucket. Jordan Poole, game one, didn't show up. Game two, showed up and blowed up. If he shows up consistently to be that guy that can assist Steph Curry scoring, look out. This might be a title run. Not to say it's a dynasty. It's already a dynasty, but now you might as well make shape shape. You might as well make space in the trophy shelf for another championship trophy. Um, but that's one thing that I want you guys to pay attention moving forward in this series. Steph Curry, his fatigue, and is a series, if it goes deep, six, seven games, is he going to be worn out? Um, you know, and the Warriors, um, the other players for me is what made the difference for them tonight. Because when you look at, you know, Gary Payton, the second, he hasn't played in like 10 games, hasn't played in over a month. He fractured his elbow against Memphis and was able to come back. It was only seven points that he, that he gave, but it was the one three-point field goal. And he's not more so of a offensive guy. He's a defensive guy. So for him to play 25 minutes and play that hard-nosed D, that was something that was missed and happy to get back. Um, another player, um, I'm sorry if I mispronounce his name, Nemenja Bajalencia. He had six points. Now, granted, it was only six points, but when he came in the game, his ability as a big to rebound space and to actually get busy in the low post and score was something that the Warriors didn't have. They really, I mean, Looney could score, but on the second unit to be able to have that, I felt that he was able to provide some sense or an ability to sustain the offense because it feels 
it felt in game one if Curry wasn't scoring or on the court, the offense for the words was non-existent. In this game, when you saw Jordan Poole come alive, you saw Valencia, he scored a couple points that just gave and maintained the um, offensive, how should I say, wave of positivity for the Warriors. Now, there was an incident in this game in which Draymond Green fouled Jalen Brown. And, you know, it was one of those, okay, it was a foul, but then both players fell on the floor and Draymond Green, the way his sneakers landed on Jalen Brown's face, he kind of shoved away the sneaker to say, get your feet out of my face. And then Draymond Green doesn't like it. They both get up. They both sit there and say to themselves, you know, they they, they, they want to prove their bravado. There was a time where you thought, like, why is Draymond Green pulling on uh, Jalen Brown's pants like he's trying to pull his pants off? I don't think that's what was happening. I think Draymond Green just wanted to grab something to gain balance so he could pull himself up real quick. And he just happened to grab the dude's pants to pull himself up. Um, Draymond Green is extremely lucky he didn't get a second technical there because he would have been ejected from the game. And that would really wrecked the everything that Golden State is trying to do. Draymond Green... I don't want to hear that the refs treat him differently because he has a reputation. He doesn't walk the line of this could potentially be a tactical foul. He does stuff and forces the officials to make a decision, but he's also smart enough to understand who he is, what he means, and that the for him not to play is a big deal and the refs better be right because if they're not it's going to fall on them. Why didn't this star player play in this game? And Draymond Green, he got the benefit of the doubt tonight. I don't know how much longer he's going to get that because when they go into Boston, when I see the Golden State Warrior crowd, that is a lot of Silicon Valley. That is a lot of people who have good money. That are people who probably walk in there and are looked at as poor and they're probably making six figures because they're the janitor at Apple. That's the type of crowd that I see when I'm looking at the Golden State Warriors and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just my opinion. So if you disagree with me, that's fine. That is just my opinion. My opinion on when I look at the Boston Celtic crowd, they look like more of a blue collar, nine to five may not have that six-figure job, but maybe with two people within the household, they could combine to make a good income household and they could live a nice life. But I see a lot. I don't want to say I don't see young people at the Golden State Warrior games, but I just see a lot more young, passionate, blue-collar people who either got a beer in their hand their faces are already red or they're screaming at the top of their lungs and it's it's raucous. I know that at Golden State they got some they got a loud fan base. But Boston, they have a very raunchy, loud fan base as well. And it's gonna be very interesting to see what this game three is gonna be like. Because this game three is what I call the tilt game. Because whoever won game one and two is fine. The reason why I call it a tilt, if you're two and oh it's a tilt because now you're 3-0 and and you're about to put the nail in the coffin. If it's 1-1, one one, like the way it is now, whoever wins game two 
now is halfway home to winning the NBA title. And the fact that the Celtics were able to steal that one game, that is so valuable because let's say they take the next two games at home. Now you're looking at a game five in which the basically the Warriors need to sweep game five, six, and seven. There's a lot that goes into this and there's levels to this. But that game three, it's not the biggest game, but it's a tilt game because now the pressure gets put on the team that loses game three to win that game four just to keep the momentum going. And if the Warriors can steal that game four the way the Celtics stole game one, game five becomes even bigger because now game five is not the tilt game. It's the, you. this is what we're doing. And now in game six, somebody has to answer. Now, um, before we end this episode, I just want to give you a couple more thoughts um, about this game. You know, Boston for me, their turnovers led to way, way, way too many easy points for the um, Golden State Warriors. I mean, when 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 you look at the the points and the points of turnovers, I mean, the, the they had. 18 turnovers did the Celtics to the 12 turnovers for the Golden State Warriors. The points off turnover, that differential, I mean, hold on. Let me just do some quick math right here. You know, we do it in real time. We don't do it in, let's just do this over again. So as I sit here and do two things at once, I've researched this information for you guys. To me, I felt that this was where the game was won and lost for um, the Warriors. So as we effort here, I'm almost there. Be patient with me, please. I know. Why didn't you look this up before and be prepared, Greg? Whatever. All right, here we go. So um, like I said, the Celtics had 18 turnovers to the Golden State Warriors 12. When you look at those 18 turnovers that the Boston Celtics had, that led to 33 points. When you look at the 12 turnovers that the Golden State Warriors had, that only led to 15 points for the Celtics. When we look at the final score of this game, this game was basically 107-88, right? So that's a 19-point win. You had 33 points via turnovers. You had no production from Marcus Smart, no production from uh, Al Horford. That is what led to the loss in game two. If the if the Celtics could clean up the turnovers, you get something out of Smart, you get something out of Horford, watch out. Celtics could be in trouble. Because if Klay Thompson doesn't show up, Celtic, not the Celtics, the Warriors could be in trouble. Because Steph Curry could score 60 points. Jordan Poole could chip in with another 30 points. But if the, the Celtics score 120 points, that's a problem. You could have a potential problem here. And Draymond Green, all that nonsense that he was doing in game two, trying to basically impose his will, intimidate, get these guys to start chirping and think about other stuff other than the game. I don't know if they're going to be able to get away with that in Boston because the calls obviously are going to go more so towards the Celtics and Draymond Green if he starts cursing and providing all of his antics I don't know how well that's going to flow when you're not at home because in this game you could tell the adjustment by the Warriors in game two not only to start the game 
but in the third quarter. The Warriors were able to find their spots offensively, and that's what allowed them to score. Now, defensively, they were able to get those turnovers, but then that led to offense to where Curry was able to find his spots, Poole was able to find his spots, you know, Looney and the rest of those guys were able to chip in. Now, Boston, they got to adjust to that. It sounds easy, but that's why I'm, I'm 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 sitting on my couch watching the game and I'm not on in the court or not in the court. I'm not on the court playing the game, but it should be interesting. Um, game three should be something to watch, a sight to behold, and I'm excited for it. So that's what I have for you after game two as the series evens up in our 2022 NBA Finals. I'm going to leave you. Usually I leave my episodes with a positive note, but today I want to do something different. I want to try and lighten and try and illuminate people to other things. So I want to talk to you guys about water meditation. So what this is, is um, science and spirituality have both proven that water listens to you. Water is alive. So try this water meditation. Let me know if it works. Respond to me on Twitter at Man Cave Auto. Um, so one, get a glass of water. Hold it with both hands. Close your eyes. Smile. Tell the water one thing you want to manifest this week or even that day. Tell the water how much you appreciate it for all it does for you. Open your eyes. Smile, drink more water, smile, and imagine the miracles flowing into your being, changing your frequency so you manifest your desire. Let me know what happens if you try if you guys try that out. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.